0: This week's episode is a chat with Jacob Tobiah. They've got a new book out called Sissy that is awesome. And, and uh, I really enjoyed reading. Please enjoy this episode and other news items looking through. I don't think so. Enjoy! I've been feeling wrong if I'm still-
1: Also, apologize in advance if I'm a little burpy. She had to slam down a smoothie are on you the feeling, drive over. Are you feeling burpy? It just might happen, but if it does, well, I'll turn away. What I
0: would recommend is lean into the microphone and open your mouth wide give so it a that nice the t- audience at home can experience
1: a, a, resonant a Your burp. breakfast. Yes. Would you like to hear my smoothie, America? <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, not just America. International uh, uh, listeners yes, too.
1: Yes, yes, Anyway.
0: I always have folks on the, um, by the way, we're using all that, the burp stuff, that'll go in. Thank you. I sure um, hope so. Yeah, it is. Like burping I'm femme looking, is like a part of I'm my brand. I'm looking right at Jordan, our, <laughs> you know? our, our, our audio engineer, and it's it's in. Yeah.
1: Um, I always <laughs> have folks
0: introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself?
1: Sure. So I'm Jacob Tobiah. I'm a writer, uh, an author now, um, a Reflective lady, sometimes to a fault, and a non-binary kinky grandma. <laughs> I'm not actually a grandmother, but spi- like spiritually, you know what I mean. Yes, yeah, yeah
0: yes, that makes sense to me. Um, I'm so glad you said your last name. I don't know why I thought it was Tobia.
1: I think that it's it's one of those ones where like it no one no one knows. Um, and it's also fine cuz it's like it's like one of those immigrant last names cuz my grandparents immigrated from like Lebanon um uh, to Cleveland, Ohio. Sunny Naturally, Cleveland. Sure. Um, like that 30 Rock episode. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um and they yeah, they immigrated back in the 50s and like even my my grandmother like on her immigration documents and all my dad's side of the family, they even spelled it differently for like the first 25 years my family was in this country. So like it's fine, you know? Like the the pronunciation like it i say it to am i even saying it right i don't know but that's what i did growing up so that's that's what we tell people
0: <laughs> and you just you have written a new book um some of which i read i didn't finish it yet. that's okay but um you want to tell Do want to hold me it? a little i'll hold it yeah, yeah just but i have uh, my own at home but i'll hold this one that's like the real copy because i have yeah, like the um the
1: gallery. yep that's what it's called yeah and we're sending you a real copy too great and just like heads up, I think that was my first burp. It's the first of many. Mm. <laughs> I, someone out there, someone out there, I don't know who, but someone out there, their kink is like trans people burping, and they're gonna love this episode.
0: <laughs> also, this is like a this is like a very um it has a glitter cover, so I just want everyone to know that that like weird um swishing you hear in the background is yeah. me rubbing the cover. Perhaps of bring this it book. closer. Yeah.
1: Should we do some ASMR with the book? Okay. Wow. I just got like goosebumps all um, up and down my whole body.
0: But I feel like, well, when did I even first become aware of you? Because it, it's certainly not this book. Mm. Um, Maybe you could tell me a little bit about also like the other stuff that, yeah. that you have gotten into or currently are up to.
1: Well, I feel like, you know, pro- probably if we're trying to speculate how you would have heard of me, I mean, I feel like I've been hoeing around on the internet for a minute. now. That's
0: true. Definitely. You know,
1: like I've definitely been like, I've been a little, uh, uh, personal brand gremlin trying to be less of one actually these days was sort of like, huh, that's sort of backfired for my sense of self-worth. Um, and like, and connection to self-love. Maybe I should, maybe I should throttle that like, like one degree or two, two degrees less. Um,
0: I, I actually fully, I hear you.
1: Yeah. Like, what does it mean? I think there's some, there's some really radical potential in being like, huh? Uh, what does it mean to treat my follower count as a lagging indicator of success and importance rather than a leading one? You know, That's right. like, That's I think, right. I think we get, we get, I think I, I feel like I was in this generation that got real fucked up with that for a second. And I'm, I want to be part of fixing that problem too, you know?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, for me, I also feel like uh, one thing that was happening uh, was like, I just had to, I had to be aware of everything awful all the time. Mm -hmm. And just to make like four jokes, I just felt like, what is the, what is the price that I am paying? Right. Knowing everything awful. Like, yeah. Like,
1: like you know, I get on Twitter and it's like two minutes in, I'm done. Yeah. Like spiritually, like emotionally compromised in two minutes, you know? Cause
0: if like in the days of yield newspaper, mm-hmm. everything awful didn't go in the newspaper. Cause it was just printed once a day. Right. <laughs> or like, maybe there'd be like the later edition or whatever, but like, you know, there's
1: always some fluffy fun stuff yes, kind of baked in. Also
0: there was fu- fluffy fun stuff. Baked right.
1: In. And it like, didn't have to be, and it didn't have to, I feel like the other thing that, that I just, I have so much trouble with about social media is that it, and and one of the things that really was important to me in terms of why I wanted to write this book is because social media really prioritizes um, extremes. Of any of any kind, right? And I don't just mean politically. I mean like like the sort of in tone, it values an extreme tone, right? Like either you have to have this post about how you're the most empowered, or you have to be the absolute funniest, or you have to be like, you know, talking about something super serious that you're really angry about and have a whole diatribe. Right. You know, like you have to tonally land in one of those three bubbles in order to like get your shit moved.
0: And you're you even have like I'm I'm paging to it right now as you talk in here, or at least in the gallery. You had like, yeah, it's the quick manifesto part. The um, the classical binary transgender story that you have <laughs> yeah. here that's that's printed almost like a Mad Lib or whatever, yeah. um, and it uh, follows the path of the story that's that starts with "I was born in the wrong body." That we see. I mean, mm-hmm. just to your point, mm-hmm. like I think if, of about things I've seen on social media about being trans. A lot of it is still following this narrative of I was born in the wrong body and it was um, like painful and humiliating. And right. like now I'm fixed and solved. And it took like a specific um, set of surgeries yes. and um, a hormonal cocktail to like fix this problem. And I and you point that out and like have that in this book, which is called Sissy. And... Um, why is that included? Why is that what's in here?
1: Well, I mean, that that's, that's so much of the impetus behind why I wanted to write this because I feel like, you know, we had this big trans tipping point, right? And obviously it's super exciting. Obviously the visibility of trans folks in the media and the way that trans folks have blossomed um, onto the national stage, you know, that has changed our reality as queer and trans and non-binary folks. But I think that, part of what happens when a community gains visibility for the first time or visibility for the first time in recent history, right? Which is, I think, an important distinction, um, is that you get a template that for what is the uh, most acceptable way to talk about your transness, right? The most acceptable way to talk about your journey through and with gender. And what was true for me is that the sort of mainstream trans narrative or the the classical trans narrative, which is not in and of itself – a bad story it's a beautiful story right the classical trans narrative that a lot of like binary identified trans folks um resonate with and and is their truth is a wonderful wonderful story it's 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 courageous to tell it's beautiful to tell um and for anyone for whom it resonates like it's your truth you know what i mean so what i'm not saying is that 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 story is in and of itself wrong. What I am saying is that for cis people to say that is the only trans story that you're allowed to tell, that's when it becomes wrong.
0: Yeah, and it it also um, prioritizes passing, which in a in a way sort of prioritizes erasure. Like, and right. and I'm not saying that I'm not. Again, this isn't really like put on the tr- on the trans person, like the trans person that is. Um, passing or, or not, pa- that's trying to pass isn't necessarily promoting their own erasure. Like, I don't even right. know if that's something that that person well, has no, in mind, but, but as a culture, when we prioritize passing only, then that means that we, it, we it, it still, we would still rather yeah, trans yeah, people yeah, didn't yeah. exist. Like, it's like, right. you know, like, okay, fine. Be like, trans, but don't look trans or seem exactly. trans yeah. for
1: the love of God, you right. know? And, and, and also like the idea of passing itself, I think it's so important that we name that passing is not an internal thing. Right. right. Like passing is not about it, it that the, the idea of passing is not something that came about because trans people wanted to pass to ourselves. Passing <laughs> is something that is about the other and generally the cisgender heterosexual other consuming you and deciding whether or not you work, quote unquote, in the gender that you understand yourself to be. Yeah. Right. Like I think that most trans people, when we look in the mirror, we pass to ourselves. Right. Like we. we well, we, that's
0: interesting. I mean, I guess. I don't know.
1: Or we I don't know. should. We should have the right to just like we should be able to just like we because a woman shouldn't look like any one thing. Yeah. A man shouldn't look like any one thing. We should be able to look at our bodies in all our beautiful, gorgeous, you know, shiny trans bodies and all of their contradiction and all of their complication and be like, I don't need to even think about passing because the only the only person who determines my gender and whether or not my gender works, quote unquote, in the world is me, and what I self-report to everyone is what becomes in the world.
0: I think that's a really interesting point. I think I was—I think maybe the only the reason I was like, oh, I don't know, it was just because maybe I in the past would have thought of that as like seeing. But you're right, you know, like 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 you look in the mirror, you see wh- who you are, Like, right, You know, but right. but you're right, yeah. That's also that. There's no difference there. Um, that's really interesting. I guess I. I have a lot of things that I want to talk about, but but maybe one that I will ask you about hmm. is, um, well, so for our listeners, I think I'm going to just give like a little bit of context about how you present, or maybe you can if yeah, you want sure. to give some context about how you present.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, because people aren't seeing me while they're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, I'll, I'll give a little summary of my outfit right now. Great. I feel like it's pretty representative. So right now I'm wearing like this really fuzzy kind of grandma type sweater. Um, that has like this beautiful kind of pearl inlay up and floral detail up and down the lapels. Um, and then a shirt underneath that says they power from <sighs> the fluid project, which my friend Rob started. I love, I Do love. Do you use him. they? I use they. Yeah. I use they them for my pronouns. Um, but I'm not like, but like, I'm not precious about it. You know what I mean? And and different rules apply to different folks, right? Like there are certain people in my life who are still allowed to use he because they've literally raised me. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need you to transition to like use they for my self-worth. Like if you're going to be in an interview about me, please do so. But like pu- like privately, like whatever, we get to set our own rules. And then also there's some people who call me she when I'm, you know, really feeling sure myself in different sure. ways. Um, and then I'm also wearing a little high-waisted... Um, I think it's only occurring to me now. Semi see through pants. Um,
0: it's like a little bow peep vibe. Yeah, <laughs> is maybe yeah. what is maybe what I would put
1: together. Right, and right. And have
0: like a little curly ponytail with a little
1: bow in it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a little, it's a little. Lipstick. Yeah, just a little trans, tr- little trans bow peep. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, not, but also I have you know like facial hair and and live in a body that is clearly understood by everybody and is male. Right. But to me it's like I don't I don't understand bodies to have any correlation with destiny. So the idea that there's somehow a contradiction between my facial hair and my lipstick, like just doesn't compute to me anymore. Like that's not the program I'm running.
0: Word. Um is a program that you could run. Anyway. It but, is a program okay.
1: you could run. <laughs> um I prefer like pages, but that's, you know, personal <laughs> preference.
0: So here's the question, ready? Um, what is it like for you to fly on a plane?
1: Okay, well this
0: with with um because I think that what you're presenting, like Mm. first of all, you look great. It's awesome. I also can imagine confusing because when I travel on a plane, confusing. Mm -hmm. But I'm not I'm not doing like maybe the level of this is something that other people traveling in this small metal tube
1: Mm. may have never Mm -hmm. seen
0: before, sort of a vibe. Mm. Uh maybe as much as you are. And you might be the first person they've ever seen that have. This facial hair, this lipstick. What is it like for you?
1: Well, um, it's interesting because actually when I travel, I tend to butch it up more. Mm-hmm. Only because like I only have so much emotional bandwidth before I like lose my shit yeah. and stop being a pleasant person. And I don't want to be an unpleasant person to other people. That's great. And like, I don't know what I would do if I were on a plane and someone started shit.
0: You know, I'm, I'm glad that you say that because I think it's also important— You know, for anybody that listens, that like to know that um, you don't have to put yourself um, like you can you can make you can make different choices for different situations, and that that is okay. Like that you're not uh, that it's not a cop out. Right. I think it's really interesting to hear you say that that you have that you're protecting yourself, like not yes. other people. You're not protecting yes. other people from who you are. You're protecting yourself.
1: Yeah, because I don't want unpleasant experiences. I mean, granted, I still, I've still i worn lipstick on planes before. I've worn dresses on planes before. But most of the time, I just throw on a T-shirt and jeans, you know? And it's funny because, I mean, that's the beauty about, about being genderqueer, non-binary, gender nonconforming, is that you don't... The beauty about loving yourself enough to give yourself permission to embody a range of, of expressions... Is that you don't give up your right to your ultimate form by not always being in it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like I do. It's like I and, and I, I think that this is a really important message to get out to queer and trans young people, especially, is that like you don't owe it to anybody to be a martyr. You owe it to uh, like what what I hope you will, what I hope you will feel is that you owe it to be a survivor. I want you to survive. I don't want you to be a martyr. I don't want anyone to be a martyr. No one has to go down with this ship. You know what I mean?
0: It's really complicated. And I'm I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah. I was traveling, um, I don't know, like a couple weeks ago, just flying, and I um there was a trans woman in the same row with me who I could like I could clock as a trans woman. And I just like thought to myself the whole plane ride that I needed to like kind of be aware of what was happening around right. her. She was like, right. in the next row over, we weren't sitting next to each other, but I was just like, because I think about sometimes what it's like for for me to travel, but I'm not, I don't know that I, I don't know that I, was, I would be freaking people out to the level that this person, who's mm-hmm. just presenting as they should, but it's just like, you know, if you're a woman with short hair and you're cisgender, uh, I do freak people out. But maybe some of them can think that what's happening is not what's happening. I don't know. It's right. like very confusing being in public and having right. anything going on that is outside of the accepted binary norms. Totally.
1: And the other thing too that that I um, that I think is important to acknowledge, you know, with us sitting at a table, right, is that what the only reason that your gender um, and your sort of like. Is it okay for me to like use transmasculine as a term to describe yeah. the way you embody the world? Sure. Yeah, like that you're sort of transmasculine. Do you use the term? What other terms do you, do you use? Butch I mean, sometimes? I use butch, yeah. Yeah, like that you're butch energy. That the only reason that it is not as remarkable as my like trans femme Whatever is like perhaps a difference of color palette because like my gender involves pink and like bright neons, but but is <laughs> I mo- love
0: that. <laughs> it's just true. that is so <laughs> interesting.
1: <laughs> it's true though, like yeah. you know, butch is about like butch is about being like like I mean, well, there are some people who do neon butch. That's interesting know?
0: though because maybe you're talking about like literally what draws the eye. I right. mean, there's that thing. I think the other thing that's true is like I don't know. I can just see somebody being like doing the stutter step of like you know, like getting in my face or something. And I'm like, oh, my boyfriend's right over there. And they're like, oh, we just, oh, so you're just like from the Midwest. I assumed you were a lesbian, you know, like, you know, like I think that we also oh, have. Oh, you're just from Ohio. Yeah, we just have, <laughs> we have like some, some very weird. I can
1: say that because my dad's family is from Ohio. I,
0: my my mom's family is from Ohio. And yes, um, yeah. I just think like.
1: What part of Ohio.
0: Mom's family is from um, right across from West Virginia in a tiny co- town called Gal Police. Where's your family from?
1: Gal Police? Yeah. It, the name is Gal Police.
0: Gala Police. Gala Police. Gala Police, yes.
1: That explains so much of how you became who you are.
0: <laughs> Can I also tell you more about Gala Police? Please. You're going to really like this. Do you remember that movie, The Mothman Prophecies?
1: I didn't actually okay. see that. It doesn't
0: matter if you saw it. Okay. It's like Richard Gere's in it, and it's about a mothman, mm-hmm. and he appears to people and he warns them. He's like, a disaster is going to come. He's a mothman. Yes. He's a man, he's a moth, he's a mothman.
1: Yeah. Okay. Same.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just so, like
1: a moth femme, yeah. but like whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Luna that moth. happened in my mom's hometown. <gasps> the mothman prophecies happened in Gallup Police, Ohio. When my mom was in high school, wait. So a,
1: a guy dressed as a moth. Well, and gave people prophecies. A
0: moth man was visiting people and giving them prophecies. We don't know. He was like never like the really. The urban caught. legend
1: started but, in Gallup, and then
0: there was a, a bridge collapsed. A bridge oh. collapsed, and people died. And then people were like, "This is what the moth man." Was here to talk to us about. If you right across that same bridge, which was like then rebuilt, there's a statue of the Mothman in Point Pleasant, <gasps> Virginia, West Virginia, and the bridge connected Ohio and West Virginia at this at this exact spot. So my mom is from the the place that the Mothman prophecies happened.
1: Okay. So A, okay. So A, I've just my, my most pressing question is <laughs> yeah. when are you going to do the re are you going to like executive That's produce a direct write, and yeah. star in the remake of the Mothman and you need to be the Mothman.
0: You're right. You're right. Like, when
1: is that happening? I need that in my whole life.
0: I mean, you're completely right. Um, my grandfather till his till the day of his death insisted that there was no Mothman, but that it was his friend Earl.
1: Thank Look, God. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the name Earl is like the perfect, like, thank God it was Earl. <laughs> anyway. We love Earl. Anyway,
0: we don't know what's going on, but.
1: <laughs> um, also, just, I just want to say that, like, that if I were going to be a moth femme, <laughs> I would be a Luna moth <laughs> yeah. because they're the gay ones. I mean, all mm. moths are gay, but Luna moths are especially gay. Oh. That was. Oh, And this Luna
0: is, Lovegood is also right. like a femme. I just mean, yes. I'm just thinking of.
1: Yes. And Luna's, Luna's like the most classic trans name of all trans like femme names. Is it everyone? Yeah, it's like it's like Luna and Aiden are like the. Oh you know, my god! Like thank Aiden you. is like every, every other trans dude is named Aiden. Every other trans woman is named Luna or trans femme. And I, it's it's we have a sisterhood of Lunas, yes. and we love each other. And I use it as a nickname every now and
0: that's then. That's very number one. I love that. That's that's very similar to how like. In the, like, lesbian community that is, like, queer, like, you know, there's, like, the lesbian community that's, like, we play softball, then there's, like, the lesbian community that's, like, we, we're queer and we're, like, sort of uh, merged with, like, a certain amount of the trans community. Mm. Like, that vibe, like, here in L.A., yeah. they would go to, like, everybody gym, like, yes, like yes, myself yes, yes. kind of a person. Yes. Anyway, um, I think the equivalent of the Luna and the Aiden in that community is going by your initials, but having your initials be unusual initials to have as a name. Right. Like P-L or something like yes. that, where you're like, this is my friend P-L and my other <laughs> friend M-L- M-Z. M-Z. Yeah, and you're like, these are not, oh, this is these, F-L. Don't, <laughs> these don't run trippingly off the tongue, but I respect you. And I love that this is, I love when we have yeah. markers of our community.
1: Yeah. Because it proves and to, to me that traditions. it's real. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. little things that catch on. Exactly. You know? yes. Little trends.
0: Yes. It's very nice.
1: Um, That's funny because my grandfather's name was J W.
0: Yeah, JW to me is like number one. There's a Marriott that's called that. Like it's like I
1: literally never pieced that together until I just said it to you. Now I was like, it's so irregular. And then I was like, except for JW Marriott, and then which
0: my family owns, and we're very wealthy. Right, yeah. Okay, great.
1: <laughs> yes, my my grandfather yeah, my- JW Marriott. No, just kidding. That's not. That's not. That's not. Because you have him.
0: like a helipad downtown if your family owns the JW Marriott. Oh, I actually Marriott. have twelve
1: helipads. <laughs> yes, Okay. Did well. you know that being an author pays incredibly well? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm writing a book. I've gotten zero helipads. Yeah. Is that right? Should I, I not have put that? Should I put that in my contract?
1: I'm Is like, I don't know. I don't know when you get helipads as an author, but okay. I don't even know if JK like JK Rowling has a.
0: Oh, she has helipads. Does she have
1: helipads? Sure. She, D- does does she she Does wants. she have helipads or helipads? This is a
0: great distinction, and you're not wrong
1: to bring right, right. up. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, um, well, wow. I
0: can tell that we get along. Uh, yeah. We could refrage us on this direction. But I do want to – okay, so uh, you grew up in
1: – North Carolina. North Carolina. Yes. And the whole book takes place in North yep. Carolina, which um, is an important detail for me because, A, like, you know, when you're writing a memoir, which uh, – even calling it a memoir sometimes like cringe because I'm like I'm not Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Sure, it's terrible. You know, I'm like I'm like I'm not. I, I haven't lived enough life to like write like it's memoir style, but like I don't know. Calling it a memoir makes me go like.
0: Eee. I know. I am also writing a memoir. Is what right. I'm, like is really what's happening, and it is. It makes me feel i um, very self indulgent. Like more than stand up has ever made me feel. Right. Doing stand up is like, for some reason, I can delude myself into thinking I'm talking about other things besides myself. But
1: well, I I think it's it's one of those things where. The most important thing you can do as a memoirist, uh, which that term, um, but the most important thing you can do as a memoirist is just be deeply and and acutely in touch with all the ways in which you're a garbage person. That's right. <laughs> It's just really important to be like, like someone asked me in an interview one time, like, so what's your key to self love? And I was like, well, it starts with admitting that I'm trash. (laughs) (laughs) And then after I admit that I'm trash, everything else just seems like not that big a deal.
0: Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Actually, I'm not even kidding. My um, editor had to tell me that in a particular (laughs) chapter, I wrote that I was a piece of shit eight times. And then they stopped (laughs) counting. They literally stopped counting. uh, After I said that I was a piece of shit eight times in one single (laughs) chapter. chapter and then she deleted it. And I'm only allowed to say it one time in that chapter. Right?
1: Right. I mean, you need to say it at least once. Yes. Minimum. But but
0: eight times was too many. They weren't wrong. Right.
1: Right. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. No. Like I, yeah, I I feel like for me, that was the only way I got through the whole thing. It was just a sense of levity and a sense of play about it.
0: Also, I want to call out that like our feelings of this like maybe this is me uh, deluding myself or sidestepping, but this is also what happens when you're from a marginalized community. Some of right, this right. is the, the, the feeling of like, oh, how self-indulgent to tell my story. There's so many other stories mm. worth telling more. Like all of these other non-binary mm. Mm. trans people that have written memoir, oh, wait. There's actually not that many people that have done this. Correct, before. right? It might be like important that I tell this story, but yeah. I have this. Option and there's a to huge be paucity
1: of content. You know, there's yeah. just so few. There are so few. Like, given, given, like, if we compare, like, how interesting and dynamic the average non-binary trans or queer experience is, with like how many books that should warrant in the world. <laughs> Like we're, we got a huge imbalance, you know? you know, like we could, we could write, like if each of us, if, and everyone listening wrote like 12 memoirs, we would maybe start to even get close to balancing the scale.
0: That's such a great point. I was at this talk last night that was about literature, uh, as a path to wisdom. And, um, Ooh. and it was like actually really fun and a funny. I, path I to wisdom. With, I went with a friend and, um, <laughs> I'm like saying yes to a lot of things right now that I wouldn't usually do, but I went with a friend, but it was, um you know, it was a bunch of uh, straight white cis men on stage and Mm -hmm. they were talking about, like, well, I mean, Steinbeck and Dostoevsky and, like, you know, just were, were, they kept referring again and again. I think that I'm in such a position of uh, being around people who are trying to call in voices Mm -hmm. that I, it just had been a minute since I sat there and listened to people rattle off what they thought was a pantheon and every single one of those people would have had like the same demographic Mm -hmm. description not that Mm -hmm. like not that like being russian and being american is like exactly identical but i just mean
1: but we're thinking about basic pigmentation
0: yes and like some level of privilege or right acceptance in the world
1: (laughs) right and and yeah i mean like I think that literature, ha- literature like has, this,
0: like like, yeah, like
1: has, this literature that. you've Well, you God, but part of me is like I'm like I don't even know if I want to be considered literature. Sure, you know, because I'm like I I I I, I mean I guess I do, but like, I, I'm okay with literary mm. as like an adjective, but I'm not sure if I'm cool as literature with literature as like a noun. <laughs> to name my product that I like my thing that I've made, because I again, again, I'm like, I'm too messy for that. Like, I don't know. I I I can't be literature like i'm a I'm a mess. Well, I don't know. You, I don't know. you look
0: very pulled together is the one okay. thing, which is funny. <laughs> that's what nails will do. that's having what done, yeah, nails
1: that's what nails, eyeliner, and a good lip will do
0: mm-hmm. um so you're but this place t- takes place in North Carolina, but there's a lot of stuff. Well, I want to just like vaguely kind of go through mm. your history and your life because there's a lot yeah. of stuff in here that I think really interesting. Didn't didn't know some of your jobs that you had, things like that. But mm. you're a little teeny kid, North Carolina. What's that vibe like?
1: Well, the way that I talk about my gender, both in adolescence and in, in uh, contemporaneously, um, is very much that I just have too much of it. Uh, you know, like if the average person gets a hundred percent gender, um, I think that God was just playing a little joke and was like, "What if I give one human three hundred percent? How and and make them a Leo? Let's see what that'll do in the world." Um, I feel like I'm like some experiment um, because I just you know and like I just had gender coming out of my ear like out of my ear like out of my ears. I just it was everywhere. Like I wanted to my ideal day when I was a kid. I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna you know." put on my like dirty sneakers, run around in the creek behind my house, you know, like find some really cool sticks, fight with them, like get super dirty, find as many bugs as we can, pick 12 flowers, go get some like clay from the creek bed, make my mom a little vase out of it, bake it in the oven, put the bouquet together, go get cleaned up, have like mac and cheese for dinner or whatever, and then like come downstairs and uh you know, do arts and crafts like braiding something while watching a science documentary. You know, I just like the gender markers for me. I was just like, I don't understand how to like, I just, it felt like gender was this system that was like, hi, so the world is really, really, really fun. And you only get half of the fun. And I was like, excuse me. I would like all the fun because there's a lot of it and bugs are fun. And also ponies are fun. And I don't understand why one is the thing that I'm encouraged to love. And the other is the thing that I'm not encouraged to love. And I'm just going to love both of them, especially if they're neon, either of them. You know, like My Little Pony, like the uni- unicorns, or like bugs. You don't even have to be fan fantasy about it. They're just neon bugs in the world, or iridescent little beetles. Yeah, I love those, like June bugs.
0: Oh God, get them away from me! But I'm they're a real so, anti bugs. They're so bugs pretty. Now. They're so pretty. Like <laughs> their little
1: wings are like iridescent and no, like no, like
0: they fly at your face.
1: I don't. Th- they. I mean, so I don't. I've never had a June bug fly into my face I have. intentionally.
0: I've had that happen. Really. Yeah, maybe.
1: My only experience with June it's bugs unclear. is one time we had an infestation in my front yard. This
0: is a terrible story.
1: This is a great story. It was not, and it wasn't like it was just. There's just a lot of them, and oh, so no. my brother ran. My brother and I ran around with. um uh, tennis rackets, just swatting them because we realized that they they don't even get hurt. They would just close their wings. They get like it'd be, it make a little plink, and they would go like boink, and then they just like go, <laughs> they like fall for two seconds, and oh, then they would fly again.
0: Oh my god! I mean, oh, uh, uh. and we weren't
1: trying to kill them. The whole point was we were just like, oh, look at these cute. Little no, babies. I'm
0: not. I'm not upset about you. One time there was just a praying mantis on my door, at <sighs> my apartment, and um, that's like the most beautiful slash gentle bug. That bug's not doing anything. I um I was just like, well, I guess I'll go get a hotel room. I can't walk. It was even a small one. It like oh. wasn't even a big praying mantis.
1: They're like, was, they're the gayest bug. Yeah, they're like they're just like hello. Yeah.
0: No, Look was, at my little. I mean,
1: it was my little lip flip, flip twist. I
0: understand, but it was horrifying.
1: Really <laughs> stretched like that. Yeah. Like,
0: ah! <laughs> I wish
1: I wish there was a video. It was
0: horrifying. <laughs> we have to like yeah. make a
1: little video of praying that yeah. just stretching. You know,
0: very. You're very good at it.
1: Yeah, thank you. I've yes. been practicing, um, but yeah, no, So I, you know, it's like I just had a ton of gender as a kid, and I didn't. I I just had a lot of trouble. I just had so much trouble I- admitting or or acknowledging that the rules I was being taught had any validity. You know, and I fought them pretty, pretty ferociously um, until it just became, it just became too much. You know, it was like, either you will not have a friend. Or you'll figure out how to be friends with boys and act like a boy, mm. you know. And then even then, like, it's not like I adopted some sort of masculinity that was trying real hard. I was like, cool. Well, if I have to be a boy, I'm gonna be a nerd because nerds get Dragon Ball Z and that <laughs> shit's still hella gay.
0: So you were a nerd?
1: Mm hmm. Oh, totally. And I was like, OK, fine. If I have to like, like space or if I have to like things that are masculine, I'm going to like astronomy and sciences. But really, I just want to look at them shiny ass nebula.
0: Wow, yeah. They're
1: gay-ass dust clouds out in the fucking cosmos. I love them.
0: Wait, so, like, what did that translate to at school, being this, like, nerdy interest and stuff like that?
1: I was just, like, really good in classes and was always the teacher's pet and, you know, checked out, like, every single book about stars and planets that my elementary school library had.
0: Were you loud, quiet? What kind of vibe? Oh,
1: very loud. No, I didn't stop being loud. <laughs> I wasn't, like, by being, ner- by being a nerd, I wasn't quiet. I'm like, trying to
0: think if I knew, like, a loud nerd. No. Yes. Definitely. Oh my yeah, God. Def- yes. Definitely. And we all know what that am person. I talking about? Yes. I had a girl. I had a, okay. There was a person in my class who was obsessed with bugs, and
1: I she, love her already.
0: Specifically obsessed with cicadas, Ooh. which come every seventeen years, hatch and emerge in Chicago, which is yeah. where I was growing up. And so um, she had a song that she was also like a very like a gifted pianist, mm-hmm. and she um, wrote a song. About cicadas. No, I could literally sing it now to this day, but I don't know if it's like trademarked by her.
1: I think that I think. Can I hear it? I really want to know. I'll (sighs) sing it with you if you teach me.
0: But I, I, well, I'll sing it to you. After 17 years, they emerge from the ground. Oh. Bzz, 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 bzz. That's the part I remember. That's After 17 remember. Yeah, years, yeah. they
1: emerge from the ground.
0: Yes. Yeah. She was extremely loud. She loves cicadas. A lot of times, she wore a homemade cicada hat <gasps> to school. So it would be like a, it was like made out of paper. Yes. It was a circle with like a little thing under her chin. And it l- looked like a like a cicada with like little <gasps> antler coming out and stuff.
1: She <gasps> wore that I believe, to my um, birthday They're called party. antenna. Yeah, thank you. And <laughs> <laughs> um, when it's on a bug, it's not called antlers.
0: It's definitely deer. antler. It's definitely antler. <laughs> <laughs> There's deers and mooses and elk. They
1: have antlers.
0: <laughs> um. Anyway, yes, I think uh, she was probably a loud nerd. She wore that cicada and she also had like a whole cicada outfit. I was friends with her though. She's like, a hero. I was like a jock. She's like
1: my Shiro of of this year now. I agree. <laughs> like, Who do you want your kid to be? And I'm like, I want Cicada Girl. No,
0: I know. I agree. <laughs> I saw her like later. We didn't go to the same high school, but she's the kind of person like I saw her one time at Mass, like mm-hmm. years years later, and she was just wearing like head to toe the most goth, <sighs> like all black look. Where I was like, <sighs> I actually do see the connection here. Like yes. this makes sense to me. Yes. Like you were like so into bugs. Mm-hmm. And then you went to high school and that and there was no longer an easy way to express that. So it's just full black all the yeah. time. Much like some bugs.
1: Right. Right. You just like you went from like being a cicada to being like, um, what are those beetles with the big the the big horn on their yeah, head? I know
0: the one you're talking about.
1: And they're black and they're <laughs> yeah. really, really beautiful. Like, I think
0: one of them is in the bug's life. Yeah. yeah.
1: Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. There's goth bugs for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs>
0: That's what for sure.
1: Moths are pretty goth, actually. Oh, yeah, they are. Them, yeah.
0: Yeah, real goth moth is what I
1: would goth moth. I would always say about. <laughs> that's our uh, that's the spinoff after you remake Mothman, yeah. you make goth moth. <laughs> and it's just about high this, schoolers. Yeah, yeah, and then and then we can have like um we can have like Marilyn Manson play the Goth Moth.
0: That makes perfect sense. As, <laughs> I'd be down. Yeah, as a person that would do the theme song. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March twenty-first. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fundrive Drive to start on Monday, March eighteenth. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check.
0: What? Hang on. You're, you're nerd. What happened when you went to high school?
1: Um, so in high school, like I I did that very classical thing that a lot of um, that a lot of like gender fabulous non-binary and trans folks do where we're like, OK, I'm coming out as gay and then I'm done. Right. And you. how did that
0: go over North Carolina?
1: <laughs> um, it was it was interesting because it was you know, I came out like to my whole community when I was 16, I was a sophomore in high school. I was playing Prince charming in the school play.
0: Amazing. <laughs> and
1: was like, this is, seems like a really opportune moment to just let everyone know. Like I, I I'm actually not enjoy, like, I mean, I'm not not enjoying this kiss on stage, but, but I am performing
0: <laughs>
1: like, sure. you know, this is still the yeah. like, kisses are still nice. Like I like all kisses, but um, right. like I'm pansexual for kisses, but, uh, but just so everyone is clear, like, you know, if, if we're thinking about who's needs to ask somebody to prom, like I'm, I'm here. Right. Um, which in, in North Carolina in a school of 500 kids meant that I was like, just the token gay. Um, at least like the, there is, was, there was also a token lesbian. And then like two people who were like, who, who there are a few people who like, kind of were like out as bi or like, you know, um, but yeah, it was like, it, most people weren't very loud about it. Right. The few kids who like come to the GSA and then not talk about it at all. Other than that. Um, but it was interesting cause it was, I feel like the, and a lot of this, I didn't even have the chance to fit into the book. Um, Was that, you know, being a gay teenager in North Carolina just meant uh, in in that time meant building the resources that I needed, you know, but it's sad because what happens is that you need as a young person to just be taking advantage of the resources that you need, you know, you just need to be going to the queer youth group, not running it, planning it and sending out the meeting minutes You know, and and like in certain ways there I look at, you know, I look at that period of my life and it's just really sad because I didn't get a chance to be a kid.
0: Yeah, I totally I hear you on that. Yeah, I, also like think I was compulsively
1: emailing at the age of like, like I was, it huh. was like the, the. I look at back at like the GSA council minutes because I, I founded it because it didn't exist. Um, well, there was something in Durham, but Durham is very far away from Raleigh in high school driving time, you know, like it's a 40 minute drive, which isn't that much in real life, like as an adult, but when you're like a teenager and gas money is like an issue. Like that's quite a also
0: like a really different vibe right. and like not the same city at all. right? Yes.
1: And so like it wasn't realistic to be like, hey, queer kids in Raleigh, go to Durham for all of your community resources. Sure. It was like, no, we need something here that like is only a 20 minute drive or a 15 minute drive because half of these kids still have to get their parents to drive them anywhere, right. You know, and a 40 minute drive is like crazy if you're asking your parents to drive you back and forth and then back and forth again mm. um, But anyway, so you know it was it was complicated, but but what happened is that towards the end of my time in high school, I was just sort of like, oh, this is not just about like who I want to fuck. This is also about how I want to fuck, and and also about like how I want to exist in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's something more here. Um, and it's funny because the way that I, the way that I framed it, because I didn't know how to say like I want to try wearing high heels for me. So I just like framed it as like this intellectual exercise where I was like, well, I need to understand what's really going on underneath misogyny. I need to understand my male privilege. So I'm going to wear high heels to get a better sense of empathy for what women are experiencing. Who were you saying
0: that to? Like to
1: myself and to other people when they asked why I was doing it.
0: Wow. You
1: know? And so I was able to, so I pretended that I was like exploring femininity as just like an intellectual thing because I wanted to be a good feminist, right? And then I came to realize pretty quickly, like, oh fuck I love these things I don't even get why I love them I'm a terrible feminist for loving them oops (laughs) but like wow like I love high heels oh no do I like makeup oh shit I like makeup too Um, but I don't like dresses at least I don't like dresses and then I put on a dress and I'm like oh no I like this too shit like you know and it's and it's just this gradual process for me of slowly but surely finding my way back to everything and there are times when I look back on it and I'm like like the writing was so on the wall and I and I look at myself as a young person I'm like, girl how did you not see that but then I but then when I really take time to think about just how severe and profound the sort of desecration of my gender was as a child, I remember like the hill I was climbing back or or the sort of the like pit I was climbing out of
0: sure I mean also you know? I don't know what size feet you have but <laughs>
1: Do I'm, not get me started. I'm looking
0: and they seem to be slightly larger than mine. Uh, it's also, it's like, you literally want to wear something that
1: isn't always made for you. Doesn't
0: even exist. Right. Yeah. Like the, like yeah, the like
1: size 12 heels are not easy to find in any store. Yeah. So, except for Nordstrom Rack. God bless Nordstrom Rack. <laughs> yeah. I stand for them so hard. I want a contract. I want to be their spokesperson.
0: Nordstrom in general as a brand is something I've talked about multiple times on this show because right. I think that weirdly they do. Like I think it's an un like an unheralded place that has some safety. I've experienced yes, some safety there. Yes,
1: totally. Um, and I especially don't... the rack, even more than the, than mm. the main store. Like the Nordstrom rack is like it's some it it feels like it feels like and and I mean this in the I mean this because to me the paragon of like safe affirming shopping is Goodwill. In terms of, like, gender experimentation, because you just go into Google and everyone's just like, yeah, like, put on whatever you want, like, whatever. I don't know (laughs) if you're shopping for a Halloween costume, if you're really going to wear that dress to something, but, like, enjoy, you know? And I feel like Nordstrom Rack is, like, the closest I've found to, like, that thrift store affirmation experimentation level of, like, everyone just being, like, chill about shit.
0: Yeah, there's, like... Piles of shoes thrown in the corner, like d- dig through it kind of a vibe. Yeah. And I
1: live for that. But they're like, no, but this pile of shoes is all size 12. And these are new. Yeah, <laughs> They're new and they're all size 12. Have fun digging through them. When did you start going to Goodwill? That, well, that was when I, thrifting was the way I reconnected with my gender mm. and, and reconnected with the idea that you can play. You know, like because because when I was growing up, and this is actually a, definitely something I wrote about. Yeah, like, I read
0: I read some of this. Somewhere.
1: Yeah, the stuff about going to the mall as a as a teenager and how the way that malls are structured precluded the possibilities for what my identity could be. You know, because there aren't there there was no way for me to try on quote unquote women's clothes and feel safe or okay. You know, it and and even like to this day it still takes courage for me to go into a women's store that is acknowledged as a women's store and and try on something that, to see if it fits. Yeah,
0: same. I mean, I, I, um, I wear a lot of shirts from Bonobos, um, which oh. has been bought by Walmart now, um, which I always say, but a lot of times folks on the road will ask me where I get my shirts, and it's, I love that company mm-hmm. because um, their stuff just... Fits me. I do get the collars fixed, but their yeah. stuff fits me okay without it having darts in it, which is yeah. like a problem for what I'm doing. I don't want to have darts in my shirts. Same. Um, but then I also yeah, <laughs> I hate darts. Yeah, darts are a they problem ruin for me. so many vintage dresses for me? me. Yeah.
1: they kill them. Yes. Like I'll have like it'll fit everywhere and be perfect, and it'll be stupid darts, and I'll just be like. Uh,
0: oh. You and I don't need those darts.
1: Yeah, we gotta like we yeah. gotta like start a like queer anti-dart tailoring business.
0: I completely agree.
1: <laughs> We're literally just like, hey, do you hate darts? Doesn't care if you're yeah. tra- I don't care if you're trans masculine, trans feminine. Yeah. Come here, we'll take your darts out.
0: Well, they won't I mean the thing, the reason I bring up bonobos is cause it's like they the whole point of it, and they do have like stores you can go in and try this stuff, but it's supposed to be like, we'll ship it to your house. Like you'll yeah. the the sizes are standardized and we'll ship it to your house. And for me that was like such a um, game changer in terms of accessibility for clothes because it is Nordstrom is a place I call out because, like, if I go in the men's section there, and literally, I've only ever had I'm sure there are gonna be some listeners who, whatever, I don't know what everybody's experience is. I've only had positive experiences walking into that side of the yeah, same thing. but you go into what you're talking about, or like anything that isn't, uh, and like, but anything that isn't uh, a department store usually is like men's clothes women's clothes are like not even in the same
1: yeah they're like store. across the aisle
0: maybe they're across the aisle maybe there's just maybe this is like structure and that's you know right. whatever the limited. What are the what are the current brand?
1: I'm I just thinking know. of myself I been to going a mall in, in a million years. Me neither. But I went to the Grove for the first time the other day, and I was like, whoa.
0: Yeah, I have. I went the last time I think I went. I just remember going. I remember like walking through and being like, wow. Oh, I wouldn't wear like anything that are in the stores that I should want to go into. There was like a penguin store where I was like, oh, I would like to wear like the shirts that are in there yeah. but then i walked in and it's literally like the broiest dudes so i was trying right. to figure out like am i going to be okay like can i get a dressing room a dressing room without
1: yeah. people like kind of staring at me or making this weird
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah and and that's why for me like i, I just feel like thrift stores and vintage stores even just, I mean, they just not having gendered restrooms was such a revelation. I mean, mm. or gendered like uh, changing, changing rooms yeah. was such a revelation. Like, no goodwill has gendered changing rooms. That's
0: wow. That's really true.
1: You don't have to I, opt into one category or the other in order to try on clothes, and that was huge for me. But more than that, it was it was about returning to and, and finding what my core philosophy was about fashion. Because for me, like, my core philosophy about fashion. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, you know, I, I riff a little bit off of, um, off of, you know, Mama Rue, like, you know, her, her big quote is, uh, you're, we're born naked, the rest is drag. And for me, it's, we're born naked, the rest is dress up, you know, that like, I want to, I, I want all fashion to feel like just playing in the dress up bin, you know? And, like, some kids in, an, in like, a, an idyllic world, you know, some kids put on the same thing every single time and they love it and they have their thing and it's their go-to. You know, some kids are like, I don't really want to play dress up, but it's not a big deal. You know, they just, like, don't play dress up too much and, like, go for simpler shit. You know, and then other kids are just extravagant and bonkers and want to put everything on and have <sighs> all the contradiction they can and the weirdest outfits they can possibly put together. And those kids are fine, too. You know, there's no right one right way to play dress up. And the whole point of the thing is to experiment as you please.
0: Mm.
1: You know, you don't even have to experiment, but you can, if you want to. Right. Um, and that's why for me, thrift stores were a revelation in my fashion evolution because they felt like play again. Because when I first started going to them, I wasn't going being like, I'm gonna experiment with my gender. I went with, a ragtag group of kids from like a United Methodist camp that I'd met that summer who were all like really cool and like super down to earth. And they were all these dudes. Like it was like me and two girls in this family group and three dudes. And they were all just silly. And they were like, let's go to Goodwill and find the silliest things we can find because we're like, you know, and like, and, and one of them was like the president of the big, of like the statewide youth group thingy, you know, but like had become, but part of his charisma was the fact that he was silly and didn't take himself too seriously. Um, and like, you know, we went, we went the Goodwill together and we were like, okay, everyone, we're going to go into the little boy's shirt section and we're all going to get shirts that just like don't even fit and are, show off our tummies. And then we're going to go to Target and mess with people, you know, <laughs> like that was our day. Like that was an activity for us, you know, and, and in that space, I, I found a way to play again. And then once I started playing, it's just never stopped. You know, once you start playing, once you realize that this shit doesn't have to be so serious, you you can't go back to taking it seriously again.
0: Hmm. And, and you, um, so you're like dressing like maybe yourself at what age? When is this happening for you?
1: Well, it started probably like 16, 17 when okay. I really started to kind of break, break rules around masculinity in, 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 you know, a visible and intelligible way. You know, it wasn't just about holding my wrists differently it was about wearing things. That so signal then you something went different. to college. Yeah. And I went to Duke for undergrad, which was interesting. Yes. Probably shouldn't have chosen such a sportsy school, but, you know. (laughs) What are we going to do? What are you going to do? (laughs) universe does what it does sometimes. Um, And, and, you know, in college, it was interesting because I, I mean, what I was able to do, because you have this small community of, like, 5,000, 6,000 people with, you know, where a quarter of them turn over every year, but... The blessing that came with that is that if you establish yourself in one year as like the resident campus unicorn, then then incoming class that next year is just like, oh, yeah, this is just a thing.
0: Wait, is that the size of?
1: Yeah, it's like six thousand students or something. It is for undergrad. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's a small that's a small school. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's
1: still it's pretty small. So like it was, you know, it was enough to kind of you can establish yourself as like a that makes m- sense to me, actually. Right. I
0: get what you're saying.
1: And by the time I was a senior. Like, yes, my gender was extravagant and all over the place, but it was just a very accepted and normal part of the school. Right. You know, by the time I was a senior, it was like every first year student came in being like, well, of course there's a trans person in student government leadership who's a gender weirdo and is like our vice president of diversity. Like, duh. Mm. You know? And I was like, yes, of course. Like, why not? And then I graduated and it was like falling off a cliff. You know, it was like in, it was like in 300 where it's like, this is Sparta, except it was like, you know, it was like, it was like, this is gender. And someone kicked me off the cliff and I was like, oh, fuck. Like what the the real world doesn't, isn't it going to be this cool about this shit? Are you kidding me? Like, Because you went into the w- real world and what happened next in your life? Well, it was, I mean, I moved to New York, which I thought was going to be like, oh, gender utopia. And in certain ways it was, but in certain ways it certainly wasn't. You know, like getting into the professional world and I write about it in the book. I don't actually write about my life in New York City after I moved there properly when I graduated because the book ends at college graduation. And that's a very intentional choice for me because I when I when I was writing it, I the thing that was most important to me above anything was like I refuse to tell a trans story that wraps up with a bow at the end. Mm. Because that's the pressure that all queer and trans storytellers have on us when we're telling our stories Um in, in this type of form is that everyone wants the bow at the end so that you can like wrap it up, you know, land at a place of solid identity and say that you were done. Right. Because everyone wants to be like, OK, but where did you land so I can get used to that and pin you down and not have to think about you anymore? You know, and that's and it's a very sort of like it's a it's a pressure that that is placed, especially on on trans folks around like, you no, know, can you can you just like fit into the binary or at least land somewhere solid? Right. The idea that your gender has to be consistent is like one of the main things that I want to fight. Right. The idea that your gender from day to day has to look the same. Like who made up that rule? That's dumb. Um, like, I don't like it. But so for me, it was, you know, when I was ending the book, I wanted to end it not with a uh, not with a. And then I figured out my gender and everything was great because like, hey, that's still not my life experience. I still haven't figured out everything about my gender. I'm still very much trying to like find – like I'm very much finding ways to like be happy and survive and and, and feel good in this world. But B, like uh, it's not good for as, – as a storyteller, it's not good. You don't end on a conclusion. You end on a cliffhanger, baby. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> I want to ask a follow-up question on that because, you know, I'm sure – it's hard to know. Like, it seems that your personality—you are good at creating space for yourself. Mm. Um, I wonder. You know, sometimes when I think about my personality, like, would it, well, would, it, would I even be funny if I hadn't? You know, so like, mm. would you even create space for yourself if you hadn't had to? Who knows? But mm. um, it's something you're like. That's actively, a profound question. You know, it's something you're actively doing even in this conversation. Mm. Then I think about the folks who, like, maybe that's just not accessible for them. They just like can't be bubbly or or big or funny like not everybody can Mm, do that mm. so i guess if you're talking about you know being okay without having the answers um i guess i want to ask you some maybe specific questions for anybody that might be listening yeah about how you create space for yourself like in small ways um Mm. for instance like how do you let people know what pronouns you want to use
1: Mm. Well, it's, you know, the, the, the proper answer is like, you know, I introduce myself every time and say, hi, I'm Jacob. I use they them pronouns, you know, like yeah, that's, but the I, proper that's answer. what I feel like. I feel and like I'm not... like,
0: I feel like you're the person that can give the multiple multitude of answers as opposed to just right. the one. Proper... That's not
1: the real answer. No one actually like even even people who where that is their goal in navigating the world. You, you still fall short sometimes, you know, and for me, the the thing that I've learned to hold. Is And this is partially, you know, uh, from being like an academic asshole, but it's like language is a signifier of intent and, and meaning, right? Language is an imperfect way to describe anything, right? You can never capture the fullness of something in a word or the fullness of something in, in uh, you know, a, a, even a series of words. And so for me, what I know to be true is that my gender and in fact, everyone's gender is too profound, sacred, expansive, and brilliant for anyone to be fully wrapped up in one word or another, right? And that's that's the way that I come into the conversation around pronouns, where it's like if if we are in a formal, structural space, like I'm gonna correct your ass if you fuck up, you know. If I'm talking to a New York Times journalist and they use the wrong pronoun for me, I'm like, that's a professional error. It's extremely disrespectful. Fix your shit. You know, if I'm on a talk show and someone uses the wrong pronoun, like I'm going to be like, hey, like we need to use the right one in this space. It's important for us to use the right one in this space. I don't hate you for messing up. I still mess up pronouns a lot all the time because I can't remember people's names and sometimes also can't remember the pronouns um, and have every now and then gotten in a pickle because I just couldn't remember. It was like just it wasn't by not wanting to use the right one, but just me literally forgetting because sometimes I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm a trash human. Um, And, and, and yeah, so it's, to me, it's like, I've reclaimed for myself that I am allowed to correct folks when it feels important to me and it feels necessary. I'm allowed to let it slide when that feels important and necessary, because sometimes it does. Right. Like if I'm talking to, you know, if I'm like on book tour and some grandma comes up to me with her trans grandchild or whatever and is like we're so happy to be here for, like with you. I just it's such an honor to meet him. I'll just be like that's fine granny. Come give me a hug. You know? Cuz I can feel an intent there that's so much bigger than like the word thing. And we can like fix the technicality later if we need to. But um yeah, I just I I don't feel like I don't want to live or die on pronouns and I don't and I certainly don't want people to For their overwhelming feeling when thinking about gender nonconforming people to be that of anxiety about getting it wrong Mm. because when we get so focused i think often when we talk about gender and the non-binary community and all that stuff we get we we lose we lose the heart for the body like we get so focused on the periphery of it on the bathrooms and the pronouns of it all that we forget to talk about the actual human experience of the thing That like underneath this sort of formal structures we have around gender, there are people who are actually suffering. There are children who are being dehumanized. You know, there are people who are being treated with violence. There are people who are being harassed. There are people who are being assaulted. And there are people whose dignity has never been seen by the world. And like, yes, we need to talk about pronouns. But only as a secondary conversation to talking about the fact that in our current culture, gender nonconforming people are not treated as people of worth.
0: Sure, absolutely. You know? Yeah, I do know. I mean, I, I really agree with you. I would also say for anybody that's listening, um, well, can I ask you one more question on this? Mm-hmm. Like for anybody that's listening that wants to, like they want to wear a new article of clothing that they mm-hmm. haven't worn before, um, like you talking about heels, for instance, what did you keep in your mind to... Like as you're going through, and I know this is like a while ago, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe this is. But know, it's still fresh because I wrote about it. Yeah, um, like what did you keep in your mind to keep yourself like going as you were introducing the world to like a part of like a new part of you? Like mm-hmm. I'm bringing this thing into this space, and mm-hmm. it, it might be scary or whatever. Do you know what what you did to get th- like to to get solid in that?
1: Yeah, I mean, part of it is. I, I just can't emphasize enough how important it is to be patient with yourself.
0: Hmm. See, I think I, I thought you might have some good answers. Yeah, I think so. because,
1: yeah. You know, I feel like the way that as a community and like as a Tumblr universe mm-hmm. that we talk about, like, you know, a trans person wearing high heels for the first time it's at, what, what ends up happening is that the ability to be femme in public or to be butch in public, um, the ability to appear trans in public or present as trans in public for the first time becomes a litmus test for your courage. Mm. And like, I mean, in some ways, obviously it takes courage, but I don't think we should blame ourselves for feeling scared when the world gives us oftentimes overwhelming evidence to be scared. Right. It's very okay to be scared. It's so okay to to not, to not have it today, Mm -hmm. you know, it's okay. And and actually this is one of the things I talk about. My favorite, one of my favorite passages in the entire book is, you know, I'm writing about the closet and the idea of coming out. Um, and I hate the metaphor of the closet. I think it's useless because, A, I never want to come out of the closet. I just want to get a walk in closet that's so big that I live in there. Um, like, I just, just met metaphor- everyone else in. Right. Like, metaphorically, being in a closet, I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't sure. understand the idea of, like, you must come out of the closet. I'm like, why? That's my favorite place in the house. And I wish I could just sit in it. I can't even sit in my closet as it is now. Like, I, when do I get a closet that I can be in? You know, like, someone give me a closet to live in. Anyway, but like, but, but it's also because. There's this idea that it's a one-time thing. That coming out's a one-time thing, and there's this kind of sense that the reason you're in the closet is because you're cowering, because you, because you're a failure or because you don't have enough courage, right? right? As if being in the closet is not profoundly reasonable given the evidence.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You right.
1: know, and so the way, the alternate metaphor that I propose, and I'm gonna eventually, I think after this book tour, I'm just never gonna speak of the closet again. Okay, good. And I will only ever talk about my shell. Because I think the metaphor of garden snails is both queerer in many senses, (laughs) um, slimier, and, uh, and more accurate. Because the reality is like queer people are snails, right? We are our natural state. Is to just be crawling around in the garden, eating some leaves, being vegetarians or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know if snails, I think snails are herbivores. I'm like 90% sure. That, but that like, makes
0: sense to me. What some, would they eat?
1: Can we get a biology fact be, check, yeah. please? Um,
0: I and just, it, <laughs> what it would be.
1: Right. But like, you know, crawling around the garden, looking at flowers with our weird little eyeballs, being cute, you know? Like, antler,
0: with our antlers. Yes, with
1: our antlers. Um, like, you know, it's, I think that is our, nat- that's our natural state. And, but we carry on our backs the ability to protect ourselves. And when threatened, go into our shells, right? And the reality for so many queer people is that our entire childhoods is just a litany of being threatened every single day by culture, by our parents, by our families, by our peers, by our teachers, by, by our pastors, by our imams, by our rabbis, by a bajillion different people, you know? And, we, are, and, and we, we, be, we become so used to being in our shells that we forget what our default state is, you know? But I think that there's something also really beautiful about changing that metaphor in that way, because if you're a snail and you go back into your shell, it's reasonable. A and B, it ain't your fault. Right. Snails don't go. Snails go into their shells because they're threatened. If I go into my shell, it's on you for being a predator. You know what I mean? It's not on me for, for not having the courage to show you my true self. Mm. And that's what I wish like queer and trans people when they're staring at their closet and trying to figure out how to have the courage to bring a different facet of their gender into the world, I want you to remind yourself that you are a snail. I want you to remind yourself that you deserve deeply and profoundly to crawl around on any flower you'd like. Mm -hmm. And I also want you to know that it is okay, always and forever, and you perpetually reserve the right to go back into your shell if you need to protect yourself.
0: Well... Um guess what it's it's been exactly 1 hour and that was
1: ooh boom l-
0: literally a, a beautiful Ka-pow. i mean k- it hasn't even been 1 hour and fully 1 second
1: like wow. i just want you to know that's wow. like how you wow. the goddess just was like, just like
0: really timed out like yeah just
1: also, that's what happens when Jennifer Aniston has graced mm-hmm, the table mm-hmm. in front of you. She also puts hearts on both the I and Jennifer and the I and Aniston.
0: <laughs> she's somebody who
1: she's. I'm sitting in front of her signature right here. I mean, she I, sat in this chair probably. Do you
0: want? Do you want to know a good story? Yes. I I met her, <gasps> and when I met her, she didn't. She didn't say her name, <gasps> and I feel like it made me really happy. Like I was like, I'm Cameron, and she was like, Hello. You know, and that's that's a certain level of wow fame in life. Wow, where you're like, well, you know who I am,
1: right? <laughs> I'm, I, 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 like, like
0: uh, I'm Cameron. Hello, <laughs>
1: hi. So good to meet you. <laughs>
0: Isn't that great?
1: I it's, know. Like, it's like it's like it's 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 important to be self aware if you're royalty. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, you got to know. I'm like, you know, I'm like Queen Elizabeth doesn't have to introduce true. herself like, either. Yeah,
0: like true. Like that's <laughs> not. There was no. I wasn't confused. There was no wow. part of me that was like. Just give it to me. Um, say it one more. Say it, it's, it's. Like just if you start to mouth it, it I'll remember it.
1: Right. It's. It, it's the tip of my tongue, there, but I can't but quite I can't. place ya. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, she was like. Wow.
1: Yeah. Isn't that pretty great? Just the idea that you were even both of you were in the same room at once. Oh yeah. Already like, like that's. I'm already writing like a fan fiction anyway.
0: I mean, well, there you are right by your signature. You wow. can sign the table underneath if you want. I'm totally going to. I'm going to sign right next um, to it. Before I send you back into your day, I just want to ask if you want to shout out a queero. Yes. A human or a place or something that made you feel like you could be who you are today.
1: Um, I want to uh, shout out uh, Bayard Rustin, mm. who is was a major leader in... In the U.S. civil rights movement, was a, was one of the initial advisors to Martin Luther King Jr. Um, taught in, ac- according to most sources, was one of the first people to teach Martin Luther King Jr. about the philosophy of nonviolence. was a was a gay dude, um, and uh, was ultimately pushed out of the movement because his sexuality became a liability. He is one of the unsung heroes of the civil rights movement, and I hope that we start naming more shit after him very soon.
0: Oh man, I remember. I literally, I think I read about. Um, that person for the first time, maybe two years ago. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. This is. Yeah. We hey, we were there. Yeah. The whole time at all the things.
1: Let's make. A, I want to make a <laughs> biopic. <too.
0: laughs> Thank that you so much. Exist. Thank you so much for being here Mwah. today. Yeah. Thanks, Jacob.